Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Kira, and this week we're joined by the man who already has more miracle runs than the US 1980s ice hockey team, Mr. Abadagi. So, yeah, obscure. Not bad. Know. Can, you build that one up before the show, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I had to check the date, mate. That's all I had to check. Had to oh, check okay, the date. okay. Good line, uh, though. Good line. Yeah, but as always, guys, before we get into all things esports here, I do have a would you rather, although I do need to change that line up a bit, Kira, because, you know, nowadays all my would you rathers are esports related. So, yeah, we're going to jump straight into this banger because it is very relevant to, of course, our special guest today, Mr. Abadaga, and it goes as follows. So, Abba, I want to hear from you. Would you rather win one LCS title in North America or... Let's pretend you haven't won one for now, right? Let's let's sit in that reality. Or make five LEC finals, but not win any of them. Oh, that's cruel. What are you thinking? While Abba ponders that, as it's it's almost too close to home, I feel he needs a little bit of time. Kira, hit me. What are you thinking? If you were a yeah, player, basically asking if I wanted to be Sue or Dark from StarCraft, be the most tortured man on planet Earth, but consistently good, or actually like have like a side bag, which isn't as good as the main bag, but at least you say you've got a, a bag. I, I actually don't think it's that torture. I would rather be a Xiaohu than a Zeka. I can handle just like yeah. I would. I, I've always thought that. Um, I would rather be Xiao, apart from the girlfriend stuff. Um, mm. so yeah, I would take the five finals. Fair enough. What What are you thinking, Abba? Am I removing? I mean, that am I am I like doing anything outside of my LCS title, or does it conclude my career? Or... I mean, that's the the pinnacle is you reach that final, right? Like that, you 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 win that title, that's it. Like you'll still be a player. Like your career length is the same. You're just not really doing anything of much relevance. So if it was just win LCS but never make final again, or yep. make finals five times but then do nothing again, then I would say five times LEC finals, just because you had a longer career with like some highs at least. Where you were like at the top five, five times instead of just winning LCS one time. Yeah, no, I'm 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 all in. Yes, can Kira. I just say one thing about that? It's interesting because like you ever heard this from football, the Steven Gerrard hype of like paradox, where oh, the people yeah. that have won the Champions League would give up their Champions League for a league title, and people who won the league would give up their league title like Thierry Henry for a Champions League. Now Abadagi has won an NLCS, right? So he like knows how that generally feels. So I, I, if I could have bet beforehand that he would have actually went for the LEC ones, because he's already got that one in the bag. He knows how that one feels already. I could see his like, mind turning there. But you know, the only that. problem with that analogy, Kira, is instead of the Premier League and the Champions League, it's like the Premier League and MLS, really, yeah. isn't it? So, you know, a little bit... Little bit different I, on I the feel scale. To, to be fair, I do actually... I more than anyone respect any titles, so, like... I build them up, you know. I've got a good history on that region, so we'll, we'll see that. Oh, someone has to. Uh, right, so let's jump into, of course, LEC and what has been a pretty extraordinary split in some ways with a fairly unextraordinary final. I'm sorry to say, Mr. Abba, but it but it is what it is. But uh, no, you're right. But yeah, let, let's let's just start there. Uh, like, obviously, you guys played them a week prior, and it was a awesome series. Not necessarily the greatest series I've ever seen, but it was 
fucking entertaining and it was back and forth and it was close and you guys were matching them in a lot of areas. What do you feel was like the biggest difference between that series and then going into this series, which obviously ended up being 0-3? Good question, good question, Sorette. <laughs> We're full of it, mate. I've got, I've got a list here. Uh... Well, don't worry, there's more. So obviously, I've been reflecting. Um, I, I would say that overall, our first series versus G2 and Excel, you saw much like better on the day Excel and a worse G2. And then, what you could kind of get the vibe with the finals is that G2 came in very motivated and like kind of ready to prove they belong there. And then maybe we had a bit less in the tank. I don't know if it's just been the the constant like three months and we've with zero expectations we made it to second and then we we're like okay like we got this big thing out of the way with qualifying for summer finals and then it might have affected us and we might have been a bit more tired and we just generally felt like we were in a slump in the finals individually so did I, you, did I, I don't think i don't think the real excel showed up that day do you think individually you felt like a dopamine dump almost? Like you had the relief after the Fnatic series of like securing finals and then maybe like as an individual, did you feel a little bit drained going into that series or how were you feeling confident? I mean, to be honest, for, speaking for myself, I was very confident going in because I just felt like I, I didn't feel like it would stop. I didn't feel like I achieved what I wanted with with the win before. I, uh, I wasn't done yet, and I really had a good feeling also with our prep and kind of just leading up to the moment with the good series we had against them last time, with kind of like a dominant performance against Fnatic. I know the last two games, we already thought we were in the finals, mm -hmm. so we we kind of slacked. Um, but yeah, I had a really good feeling coming into finals. And there's always this uh, back and forth argument from outsiders, but like also from players as well, that some people believe there's an advantage in playing like the back-to-back -back series because you build up so much momentum and confidence and you basically, you know, you get reps on the champions and the meta and everything and in series play. And other people think it's better to be in G2's position where you're not playing at all. You're not maybe as, you know, burned out or whatever, like fresher for the series, I guess. And you get to just watch the other teams play in high picks like what's your feeling about that do you feel that you would rather have played those back-to-back -back series or do you think it would have been better to be in g2's position where you get to kind of sit back and watch i gotta think back on that because i think i was in both positions yeah. mul multiple times now i have been in the losers brackets run for two times one time i won lcs that time and the next time which happened now is we got zero freed and then the other two times i was waiting in the finals i believe and then the other team came and smashed us three zero okay oh but it's not exactly true because uh actually last summer in lcs we were also playing losers bracket and we ended up making it to finals and then c9 won three zero over us um but yeah it's a, coming to your point i think it kind of really depends how teams take it because sometimes I feel like you you just take the momentum and you take it in the finals and you come out really strong as the team coming from the losers bracket. And as the winners team, it also depends. Like, do you do you really do you feel 
Do you start feeling scared when you see the other team like just smashing these teams and loses bracket and coming for you, or are you still as confident as you were when you beat them? You know, um, I think it kind of comes down to that, and then good prep and that you don't slack off as the winner team. That you don't feel like, oh, we are we made it to the finals, so we beat them last time. Like this is gonna be easy, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, Kira, from your perspective, did you see any like major noticeable differences like from the yeah. outset of these two series? Like, what was your kind of biggest takeaway as why they were so different? Uh, well, there's a, I didn't see anyone. Maybe, I don't listen to broadcasts, so maybe they identified on broadcast. They probably did. They've got like a million people noticing things. You completely dropped the Draven ban going into finals. You had five games consecutive of five Draven bans, and then going into final. You didn't ban Draven at all, and they never like picked it either. Like, did you like consciously like drop the Draven ban, like discuss it going in? And if so, whose idea was that? And then I'll I'll leave that one first for Abadaga. I mean, to be honest, I don't know how much I can say about this one. Okay, that's fine. I, I, if you can't say, just say I don't want to talk about that. I don't mind that, mm -hmm. right? Then the second follow-up question is. Did you, why have you, did, during the whole course of, like, the thing, was it ever, like, discussed, like, but just banning out, like, the cog? Because you, I understand that like, you've beat it, like, the once, but, like, a lot of your, like, game loss losses were on, like, against, like, Kaisa Cog, and, like, you've never, like, as a team, like, switched around, like, the bands to, like, focus that. Now, I'm not saying that's just the reason you lost. I was just saying, like, what, did you as a team, like, discuss that? Was that even within, like, your metric? Or... Were you, did you see other much bigger issues outside of that? So for the for the Kogma, I'll just say, I think we just prioritized other bands. Okay. We didn't think it would be a problem. Right. Um, you know, in hindsight, you can say much, but... I, I don't uh, think you were like, wrong. I, think, I, I was just curious, because usually when you're in a series, um, you see this a lot in the LPL, you like, you lose to something, you're like two games down, and eventually you just like let them have like the thing you've been keeping permabanned, and you just try banning the thing you've been like losing against. Now, like obviously you guys didn't do that, it was just interesting, you were like very, you've, you've made like a draft adaptation, and you've kept it very, very consistent. So I was just wondering if like that was something you were all like coherent on. I mean, I think we just saw bigger issues than the, okay. the Kogma, that's, yeah, that's it as a team. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, in the first series, it was interesting. Me and Kira talked about this before, but I feel like um, because I think you made a, a good point, Abba, which is like from an outsider perspective, literally just looking at their faces and stuff in draft, I feel like game one in your first series, G2 were not taking it seriously. I feel like in um, the, the same thing in their previous when they played against Koi, they were to a way greater extent, they, they were treating it like a scrim. I don't know if you remember those games, but they were ridiculous. They were just trolling all over the map, especially like the Ike and Broken Blade were just spam emoting and diving in where they knew they would trade like just for fun, just almost like rubbing it in their faces. And then I feel like they came into game one in your first series with like a similar-ish attitude. Like they had more respect for you guys, but like they were still not being fully serious. And then after uh, the first two games, you saw how serious their faces were and they're like, oh shit, we're in a series. And then it was like almost too late. They were like desperately trying to like actually get a proper read on you guys and like pull it back. And I actually felt, as I said, me and Kira talked about this. Obviously this is complete hindsight, 
But if you'd like put them on the Draven instead of Cogmore, for example, in game five, I think they would have lost because they were actually scared, like visibly scared. And obviously Cogmore is just an inherently easier champ to play. Like sure, you've got like the whole comp is built around you. So there's a lot of pressure, but Han's got to sit like in fucking Africa and just launch, uh, launch his ult, right? Whereas Draven is such a uh, small margin for error champion that I actually think Lace you edge. guys... <laughs> yeah. I actually think you guys would have uh, would have probably won game five if, if the cog had been banned. That's just my personal opinion. But also, what's nice for you guys is it doesn't actually fucking matter because you'd actually have had to play them again anyway in a best of five. There's no like advantage to that. And it was less heartbreaking, right? In retrospect, you can't be like, oh my God, we lost a game five. Like, well... I actually, res I actually respect the leaving the Draven thing open uh in, in the final like i was actually like i thought that was a really good adaptation just generally like uh, when i see it i was like yeah that's and then obviously you get the tell from game one the other the other thing that was quite i wanted to ask you about because you have now a better general view of it you've now played caps right across like the two now distinct era of like caps because you played them in the early days where he was on fanatic in 2018 and then you had the g2 era caps who was like very very good so you've played against a lot of caps and then you went on your anything do you feel like there's a marked difference in the two versions of caps you've played against because colloquially everyone in the community all think this version of caps is a lot worse he's worse at laning he's like worse at pushing advantages he's worse at pressuring and i was just wondering what does it actually feel like in the server yeah that's an interesting question so i was joined lc in 2019 and mm -hmm. I think back then he was just kind of like the goat. You were like, <laughs> yes, kind of crazy. Like you could never, if you like, if you slack for a moment, he's like gonna do something that like you don't really expect, and he's gonna take over the game. And if he if he has some kills, it's just really hard because he's gonna push his si uh, advantages really hard by like pushing sideline, try to make you catch him. If you go catch him, like. He's gonna escape by his liver filth because he knows his limits really well. While his team gets everything on the other side, or he's just pushing lane advantages really hard. Um, and I think I already felt that he was different in 2021 before I left because mm -hmm. he just. I think the the meta maybe didn't suit him as much because back then it was way more volatile, like fighting, like. You could play Akali, Silas, Irelia, all these like solo queue champions. And then it turned to control mages and more, a more controlled play style. And maybe also like there was always this discussion of like team play being way more important now and that you can't just solo carry. I know that has changed a lot over the years, but 2014, one champion could solo carry. Um, and I think even in 2019 with the Akali and Silas, those were still really strong, like 1v5 champions. But um, maybe that whole dynamic just shifted and changed him as a player with um, these more controlled playstyles. Is there a player now in the league that, in you know, over scrims and competitive games or so on, that you find like most difficult to play against? Is there someone that you feel like, ah, yeah, that guy's going to be annoying? Well, I can't, I can't say not leader because he's just. He will always play some annoying <laughs> shit. And to be honest, when I, when I came back from NA and I just started playing again with the team, I like I was so bad at playing against all these melee champs against the 
I was playing him in scrims, and there's like this Yasuo and this Aurelia. I, I was not. I was very bad at like punishing him for picking the champ uh, in a range versus melee matchup, and then also not dying to ganks. Like that was like a challenge that he was the only one that kind of put put me up to in the whole ADC, because everybody else just is relaxed and like plays like control mages or like all these common matchups. But against him, you just you can't like slack off. You gotta be prepared. Yeah, no, that's I mean. Shouldn't feel about that. He's fucking hedged his whole career on people not being able to counter his uh, his interesting shit. Yeah, but actually on on this uh, because this is a narrative, by the way, Abadagi, that we've had on this show for I would say well since you came back to Excel, really, which has changed massively over the last couple of weeks. Which is going in to GSL stage, sort of after having seen you play in regular season. I'll just speak for myself. I won't speak for Kira, but my interpretation of you as a player was if you can get to the key moments in mid-game and late-game scenarios that you're like super effective as a team fighter and play the objectives like positionally really well and all the rest of it, but you seem to struggle in quite a lot of the lane matchups, then randomly, or from an outsider perspective, as soon as the series play starts, you're just like winning lanes that you were not winning in regular split. Like you're actually one of the better laners in the league. Like it doesn't really seem to matter who you're playing against. If it's humanoid, if it's caps, it's like, oh, Abe's now just winning the majority of the lanes. Like, did something actually happen, or like what? Or did we just get it wrong, or were you unlucky in beer ones? Like, what was going on there? Because it did seem to be a massive switch where it's like this guy is yeah not doing anything in lane to oh he's winning all his lanes. What what happened? Yeah, um, so I would say that we kind of, we already knew I'm not very good at laning uh, three okay. months ago. <laughs> I love the honesty, I, yeah. I didn't want to be the one to say it, mate. I didn't want to be the one to say it, but on you go. But, well, as time went on, we slowly like worked on it, because even though it but might have not looked... By the way, it... I'm not being wide. What does work on it mean? I'm, I'm not, like, how did you, like, what did, did you do, like, 1v1s? Did you play more solo queue? Was it, like, a focus on scrims? Like, what is... Sorry, I'm, I'm actually intrigued uh, what that means. Yeah, let me explain. So, it was mostly me working with Hidon, who joined Excel okay. as a coach in Spring Split, and then kind of reviewing what's and just making me more aware of my decisions, like, to make sure that everything I do in lane really makes sense because you're, you you kind of got to you got to have an idea of what you're trying to achieve right and uh, I think the biggest problem that you can have is that you are just playing by instinct and you don't have a plan of how to control your wave or when to take trades and even how these trades should really look in in this specific matchup um so it basically it took a lot of what reviewing and consciously thinking Hey, what is, what should I have done differently? Like, what went wrong? Um, and then also taking inspiration just from people who actually know how to learn, um, and then to kind of take away ideas and be like, oh, and now I can now I can realize, wow, I'm just my spell usage is like really bad here on Azir. I'm like using my Ws randomly instead of like zoning the enemy or making space between me and enemy and getting CS in the meanwhile. It's like those kind of small things and then putting in a, a lot of work with with the assistance or fit on it's like where 
I slowly became better at laning. And then in the last two weeks, or two or three weeks, put especially a lot of working into it. Did, did you notice it on stage at the time? Like, we like, wait, holy shit, these lanes are just going much better now. Like, it's really working? Or is it just something subconsciously that afterwards you're, you realize it? Like, do you, did you actually, like, feel yourself being better in game? Well, I can definitely feel when the lane is going to shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and then I think I started playing better. And then I'm just, wow, this game is so easy. Like, I'm just like... <laughs> For full, you know? for full transparency, I said I said I, I can't like remember I, like I can't remember which game it was or whatever, but I remember sending Otto a message on Discord and I was like, if ABBA learns how to lane, you guys are gonna be like a really fucking good team. But it's one of those things you just say and you're like, I don't know if it's gonna happen. I assume it's not gonna happen. And then just randomly, I'm like, why the fuck? This guy's just winning lanes now. It's so strange. But a, a serious question: Do you actually think that playing in NA? did something to your laning like do you feel like that because obviously people always talk about playing solo queue regularly is like a lower level and high ping and blah 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 do you feel like when you went to na and then came back that you almost had to like relearn a few things or do you think that had nothing to do with it i would say that after going to na and then kind of like my prolonged career over there in the first split i was i was really tryharding and things were going well and like we had a really good team environment and everything was kind of done with a plan and intention and you can you could see it in our play like we won but over the course of my time there i kind of i think i lost say i did lose intention and purpose and then i kind of just started playing off instinct and that's when when you start playing without a plan in lane especially it's just it's very random, you know? Like, sometimes you might win and sometimes you might lose because what you're doing makes absolutely no sense. You're making it volatile when enemy has, like, a, a Javan jungle while you have, like, full farm only jungle. Like, those kind of things. You gotta always have a plan coming from champ select. And, yeah, it would just be those unplanned things that would kind of screw me over. And then I had to realize that, you know, I wasn't, really deliberate with how I practice and how I lane, and I gotta be do better. Yeah. Can I ask some, uh, weird, sorry, you no, I was just gonna say, like, for me, the last the last thing I'll ask you um, on, on your gameplay is obviously, there was a narrative sort of early on in your career that you were like this really super talented player, particularly like in scrims or like in online games. Obviously, you also played through COVID um, and, Pete, and when Schalke did like the miracle run and you were sort of the front and center of that everyone was like oh yeah but it's not at the studio and there was almost this choking narrative around you and then obviously you know you guys played out all these playoff series and you're on stage there's a crowd like no choking at all right like whatsoever so do you, do you think there was any of was there any ever truth to that in your your head or do you believe that that was actually just not not really something that was true at all and it was just situational or do you think that was something that was true, but you kind of overcame it? Well, well, that's that's a really good question. Um, because there were times where after Miracle Run, I thought like, well, maybe they are right. Maybe maybe I do. Maybe maybe I am a joker on stage, right? And I was thinking to myself, but at the same time, if I I look back at my career. 
I've I've remembered like moments of great confidence and where I played really well on stage when I was, for example, in Turkey uh, in the grand finals in like a stadium of 16,000 people or even just if it's German LAN events where I'm like winning the title or even just like my two overall year in the LEC in 2019 wasn't super great, but I really didn't feel like it came as much down to like stage pressure and stuff like that compared to just my individual like confidence and preparedness from scrims, just kind of the form I was in. And then I remembered like that's what made us way more. And like, I don't believe I'm a, I'm a joker. I am, I'm, I'm way better than that. And like, I don't gotta, I don't, I don't gotta have people believe in me if I believe in myself. That's basically it. Well done. Yeah. I've got just one, just, I think it's just for my own personal curiosity. See, when you went to 100 Thieves, right? There is like a community, like narrative, perspective. Nobody actually knows what the fuck he does. Did Reaper like live up to like the coaching like narrative that like he has behind him when you were at 100 Thieves? Just for you, like personally, I'm not like asking you to flame or anything. Just he's got a very good rep in the public perception of being a good coach. And then you went from Dylan. You went from Dylan Falco to Reaper, yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just making sure. So I think it was crucial to to make 100 Thieves win. 2021, because I think the whole team had zero direction, and he kind of just, I think he came in and he he was really good at realizing this is why we are not on the same page, and this is why we are losing games. Like, let's do more of this, and like, let's be cohesive. I think he he did a really good job at making us compact. Was a huge part of winning the trophy oh. there, yeah. And the other one is, do you think the general state of EU mid lane is worse now? Yes. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think mid lane has like degraded in terms? Because like, like mid lane is like the like the fucking the pinnacle, like the golden gem, the shining light of like EU. But like, a lot of people have got like concerns. I'd probably say myself included, like uh, the general like state of like Midland as like time seems to be progressing forward, that it's like degrading, and like the people who are usually like buttons in for being very good elite are no longer like pushing the region or like pushing the envelope of like play. Was like, would you, you any idea on why that like is or like why it could be like, what is it like behind in scrim culture, for example? I mean, that's like a. A pretty big question because uh, even, when I came, <laughs> okay. even when I came back um, to to start scrimming a bit with Excel in spring, when I just played last week, I was like scrimming against people and I'm like, there's no pressure. Like even, you know, me as the famous NA laner Abedage, I'm coming in and I'm like, I'm, I'm just solo killing. I'm taking over these lanes. And, like, it doesn't feel like there's a challenge at all. When we we didn't scrim caps, but it really felt like there's no like great competition, and I'm not saying that to be to be cocky or have ego, but because I I was part of like I wasn't very good either when I came in, and I'm still not at the level that I want to be at but in terms of, of laner or mid laner. Generations like you were part of like one of the very good generations of mid laners. Regardless of how people want to rank you, you were part of like the new group that came through that were like good, right? And it seems like each 
year when new groups like come through, they're get they've generally been worse. I mean, to put like it a, like a, a lot worse. To put it a different way, obviously we've got the likes of you know Caps, Humanoid, Larson. Do you feel like these guys are just playing differently? Like they just trading less? Are they just sitting more comfortably in lane? Do you think it's a meta thing, or or is it hard to sort of identify why that is? I think it's a really hard question for me to answer. Um, but what I generally just realized is that they they don't take advantages in lane as much. They're not as maybe pushing the matchups as much as they could. Um, but that's just how I feel like. I, I would agree with your sentiment. Because like, I think when you look like globally, for example, LPL, it's a very aggressive mid lane meta. Like, really aggressive. Um, even the passive mid laners of the LPL are really, really aggressive right now. And Europe used to be this way. And it seemed particularly this year, not so much last year, has really toned down. Even the extremely aggressive midliners aren't anywhere near as much so. So I don't know if it's like a coaching thing or like a scrim thing or you mid look way more handshake than something that people used to accuse NA of. I think this is just purely my theory. I think this is like a, a, a sort of chasing the carrot thing where if you have one player like Caps in 2019, for example, who has just decided, maybe because he's just so excited to play the game or whatever, he's just hitting a level and like forcing people to do things so much that everyone then has to somewhat play like him or like mirror him to be able to survive in the lane or, or, do, or do whatever. But maybe we're just for a, going through like a mid lane le period of comfort where because there's no one above and beyond who's like pushing people to be better everyone just defaults back to like kind of a seven out of ten sort of somewhat chilling again i don't know if that's there's any truth to that or not but but i think because caps isn't caps of 2019 because humanoid in my opinion has regressed especially a lot in lane seems to die a lot for some re like inexplicable reasons all the time and then you've got larson who in my opinion is the best laner but he's a more of a froggin style laner who sits back and controls the lane plays more safe side and closer to the tower you're not really pressured by larson even though he's good at laning it's just like a different style of laning so that's just like my guess but um yeah sometimes i think it takes like some super exciting rookie who's like you know, fucking 1900 LP in, in solo queue or something to come in and start fucking people shit up again to like wake people up. That That's what it feels like to me anyway. Um, something I wanted to ask you about, Albert, is your teammate, Mr. Peach, because how how is this guy's English, first of all? Like, how is it to communicate with this guy? Because obviously one of the narratives is, and I know like even Excel joke about it a bit, like Excel is so good because of, you know, the power of friendship or whatever. Like, is, it, is he easy to communicate with in and out of game? What, what's that like? Okay, so I think he spoke like five or ten words when he, oh. first, joined, when he first joined us. So, oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe that's a bit like he could understand us more than speak himself, right? It's like okay. some uh, simple English. Uh, English league terms like gank and stuff like that. <laughs> but that. It, it was it was really hard in the beginning to bring points across, and so we had to use a translator for a bit. And after that, he was kind of left on his own because the translator had to leave. And in the meanwhile, he started taking English lessons, and now he's actually he's improved a lot since then. Like now, he like tries to also answer in like full sentences and he actually can express himself more 
So compared to where we started with it, it was a really great improvement. And he's a, he's a really good guy that really wants to include himself on the team. So I think in the beginning he was a bit sad because like it was very hard just culturally and from the language barrier. Can he take part um, in VOD reviews at this point or is it still sort of a bit rough there? The, the, the VOD review is probably one of the rougher parts, but if you kind of... You just try to simplify it for him and he is way better now at just giving answers or letting us know how he thinks. And what I got to say is, two weeks ago or something, he said... Actually, it was with was my lines, where I felt like before that he didn't talk at, at all, but in in that series, he he just started saying like, "Go go go, we win this," like stuff like that. Which if you well, he's Malkai Alton. You know? If you know, if you, if if you never heard him say that before on stage, and he suddenly he's like giving confident calls, and he ma makes you take the fight and makes you continue it, then it's like it's it already a really great step up. Yeah. It's like I was like, oh my god, my jungler is like is talking. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with this guy, you know, like we can do stuff together now. We know what to do together, you know, because before that I was, I don't, I wasn't sure if he understands what I want to do, you know, but now he's like, he's talking back to me and he's telling me what to do. It's like, it's a great step up. It seems kind of mental that, that it's even a consideration to me, like to take a Korean unless they're like a generational talent who can't speak any English, you know, like it seems really really especially in the jungle position because obviously the way europe is balanced like we ha it's not like korea where you have a lot of leading from mid lane for example like most of the leading is going to come from jungle and the symbiotic relationship between like jungle and support and if you don't have a jungler who can speak i mean i think based on on my outside perspective limit seems like he's quite a good communicator seems like he likes to give info work with people i mean what was it really hard for him like how how is it for him trying to communicate jungle support Like, how the fuck are you guys winning, by the way? Like, okay, my theory on XL is, like, one of these things where if you look on paper, you wouldn't say, like, it's the most stacked talent in terms of roster. Like, even someone like Oddo, it's like, Oddo is Oddo not because he's, like, insanely talented, but because of also lots of intangible stuff as well. So you've got, like, a fine roster, but it's not special. And now your jungler doesn't speak fucking English. He's not like he's, you know bow and try or like a jungler trying to play carries and like mechanically outplay everyone you know he's playing the sejuani he's playing maokai he's playing the i am a good team player champs how the fuck are you guys winning like honestly this is it's so insane like what what do you think is i mean sorry to bombard you obviously i want to hear about the limit uh dynamic as well but what what do you think is like the secret source for why xl got good like it, it's it's so interesting to me actually i mean i think it's just a lot of good things came together and like a lot of effort that we put in into whether it's kind of strategy from coaches or the individual efforts from players but i think what we worked on most is just to make sure we are on the same page and if it just if it takes limit and peach to just uh, work based on those words of just peach let's go here that's the communication then we will work it out, you know, and then we, I think all the other nuances, are like we talk about where we want to put our words and then we kind of, it seems like Peach always understood it. So then translating that to stage 
it might seem a, a bit harder when you think that uh, the guy doesn't speak English, but it kind of worked out. Like we are all league, we speak in league language, I guess. Oh no! I just heard who, the, the LS, uh... the LS as a, Oh god! They'll speak league language. <laughs> who's uh, <laughs> who's le who's like primarily leading the? Because I mean, you guys have probably you and G two have by far the best macro of like any team. Like clearly, like it's so visible on the screen. Who's primarily coordinating that? Because obviously you say sometimes you're telling to Peach, like, hey, Peach, go here, do this. Who, who, is it like a team effort? Like, are you all talking? Like, how does that, how do the comms work on your team? So this is definitely not um, one or two people. It's more of a mixed role where like people will step up at individual parts. So if someone sees a player that the others don't see, he can call it. Um, but Generally, it's still a bit more focused on limit. And then Peach kind of, he does his own decisions and he tells us what he wants to do. But when it comes to like putting Harold uh, in early game or when to cross map, we, we just have a bit of pretty good understanding, I would say, of how we want to play it as a team. And when it comes to mid game, side laning is just me in order. And then there's like kind of us and limit coordinating how we want to use vision to get deep side push before objectives and stuff like that. Um, yeah, like, even though Peach doesn't talk that much, he still has a pretty good understanding of, of how we want to play. Fair enough. And just before we move on, I just have to ask you about one very specific thing in the uh, Fnatic series when you were top lane on LeBlanc and you get caught. Talk, talk me through what happened there. What was going on? Because obviously you guys were like cruising to uh, victory. And I think Otto said like people were almost too confident. Like you were so secure in the matchup. Like was that just a, a lax in concentration? Because obviously you weren't even like hugging weak side or any or safe side or anything, right? You were just kind of stood there and then get caught under tower. If you remember that, I just wanted you to talk me through that. Because that was just something a lot of people sort of were asking about. Like what, what's the dynamics there? Are people telling you that... You need to be careful. Like he can come. Like what? What was going on? Uh, I I would say it definitely came down to a lack of can uh, concentration. Um, because on one hand we were already we were kind of with our minds we were somewhere else. We were like, it's like we we're already in the finals, and we were already ahead in that game, and it looked pretty easy. And then like something happened. I think it was solo Drake spawning or third Drake or something. And we are like, our strategy is, I can I can leak this, is to not, if we can, avoid the team fight and then like abuse our side lane, push first to like, because Annie isn't really helping staying in the side lane. And we just try to push all waves in. And if they all commit to Drake, they're going to lose like all these waves and even towers and stuff. I even love... You're, you have no idea how happy I am to hear that Abadaga. You're making, you're, that's so good. It's so good, good to hear that he's actually doing that. That's so good. That's actually that's, so good to hear. So that was our strategy. But in that game, then at that third or fourth dragon, everyone was like, no, just come to this drag, we fight this now. And then I was, I was, I was actively fighting them that. like, no, like, let's not force it. Like, I'm just gonna, let's push, keep pushing in and make, let them force the decision. And then in that whole progress of me disagreeing with the team and like, I know that shouldn't happen. And that it was like, kind of, we just weren't really on the same page. And in that moment, I 
first I saw Annie crossing through mid, and then I thought she went to dragon. So I start pushing again and hitting the tower. But I completely missed Humanoid just coming straight back. And then he suddenly spawns, and I'm like, what? What? I wasn't even aware that I'm getting hit now. I'm stunned on the tower, and that's that's everything that happened. Is it hard, like, in games when you have such a set game plan, but you're so far ahead? Is it sometimes hard, like, to stick to the game plan? Do you just want to fight? Especially if you're playing, like, something like LeBlanc. I mean, for you, in this scenario, you're the one who's sort of more reserved and saying, hey, no, stick to the plan. But is it really tempting when you're, like, 5k gold up, or you feel like you're far ahead that you're just like, ah, fuck it, just, like, go mid and start a fight? Uh, or is it like kind of easy after you played as much as you played to to stick it out? I mean, I think we executed that strategy really well already in game one and partly in game two. Maybe it doesn't apply that much, but we had a similar comp in game one. Um, but I'm not not sure exactly what changed the shift in mentality because game one we were really aligned on doing the same thing, not starting fights early, just letting them make a mistake while they like try to overforce the objective while they're losing sides. Um, but that situation, I feel like we were too tunneled on like, oh, this like third dragon is going to win us the game. Yeah. I mean, okay, so let's move on now. Uh, obviously, you guys have qualified for the big season finale. I did feel a little bit sad for G2 and a little bit better for you guys when I saw kind of the... Uh, I don't know what you call it, like the trophy ceremony or whatever. It did kind of feel like there wasn't, it wasn't as big as like an LEC final usually feels in that oh, sense. Oh, they fucked up so bad. Yeah, but obviously, you know, there's going to be a three-week break, which maybe isn't ideal in some ways, but is kind of good at resetting the hype. I just, like, you know, it's going to be a Montpellier. Like, it's going to be, you know, a much bigger, grander event this time around. Um, well, straight away, though, is it? It's the first round. No, no, yeah. Studio, yeah, it's only, it? yeah, yes. Fuck's sake, man. You yeah. can't catch a break with um, these guys. But... You know, you guys, uh, you guys and G2 aside, do you feel like there's uh, another team who you think can be sort of a contender to, to reach those finals and play in them? Like, of the teams that are in the finals, which team do you sort of feel like is probably the strongest or would give you guys the toughest run? So we got us, G2, Fnatic, BDS, Mad Lions and SK. And you'd have pulled mad lines to begin with. Yeah. But of the te of the remaining teams, like who do you feel like who would you be least surprised if they like went on a run and made finals? I mean, I think it's us and, and G2, right? <laughs> but let's say we were not playing. I'm just an outside analyst trying to see the situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe I think I would say that I still have some believe in Fnatic. Just because okay. um, I do think, there we go. do think they're, they're a good team. Um, the other teams just look a bit worse than Fnatic for sure. So I think Fnatic is the only one that sticks out where they have more say, strengths as a team. Yeah. What What do you think on this, Kira? Like, who, which teams are you expecting to be the biggest threat outside of XL and G2? Fnatic. Like, Not Fnatic, if they can, like, Fnatic's individual play is just so shocking. Their early game... I, I, this is why I was making such a big deal of, like, Razork in spring, um, 
whenever we were talking about just the regular season portion, I said how Razor's actual in personal level will not be like um like continue like because yes. he's like playing all three lanes and then Razor like dipped like a fair amount and it, it was just like their laning advantages and then like obviously like, Razor was just doing some mad shit and Fnatic just fell to absolute fucking pieces. That's why I thought it was crazy that like Noah or someone was getting like MVP like Candace said like people were talking about it for that reg there because I, I, I don't actually think he contributed overall to how Fnatic was winning the game so it was basically predicated on like and do, during those regular season periods as Razork or boss and we're back at this window all over again <laughs> we've done another full evolution again where I've got to say the same talking points over and over and over again with this fucking team they just do my absolute boxing if Razork's real Razork and Humanoid can sort out their early game like Fnatic become a much much better team if they can and they're left just to play to like their own individual player strength they just it, the variance of the team just gets so huge plus yeah. we've just entered the hellscape where Trimby's not getting to play enchanters as much and he's now relegated to more engaged stuff where he's less comfortable I don't know trying to predict Fnatic is like an exercise in futility because they are they once they added uh, Trimby, they just they were always just going to be the Jekyll and Hyde team of the EU LCS where they can their like floor can be so low when their healing ceiling can be like pretty high, but you kind of got to hope that the coaching staff irons out the problems and they make it. They are the next best team to make it in my opinion. I think the other teams are way too like flawed. After that, it's like BDS. I feel like SK Gaming are here. Mm. Apathy of nothing. I'm not even that sure. I'm not that sure how, like, how much of a threat they will be. Just watch them like make it to finals or some shit and rub it in my face. But mm. um, <laughs> that's what tends to happen. But yeah, on a serious note, Fnatic are the other like threatening teams. Though I have got to say, the like the lo- the the person who loses to um, what do you call it? between Mad Lions and XL, they get an absolute blinder because I'm pretty sure that's who. Um, that's who Fnatic will draw. That's who Fnatic will draw. Oh yes, I think you're right. Yeah, I think. So that's that's actually insane. So like, you can have Fnatic XL rematch, which I think is less likely, or we're going to have Fnatic Mad. I've not like worked out all like the maths on it either. But either way, like that's fucking that's a bonkers matchup already, if you ask me. You know, mm. like. So I'll be uh, that. So yeah, the one thing that surprised me about Fnatic in the XL series was I thought Fnatic would win a game. I thought XL would win the series, but I thought Fnatic would win a game. But I thought they would win a game off all the players actually just playing to the level that they can play to. But actually, they won because you guys threw basically. So that to me was really surprising that you guys were like so much stronger that. The, the one game they got their foot in the door was like a game that you guys kind of let them get their foot in the door. So I don't know, for me personally, oh, no, no, I'm so, I'm not exactly out on Fnatic. Like they'll always have that sort of ceiling or whatever, but I'm going to say BDS. I think BDS will be a more um, complete team. I think maybe player for player, they're not as strong perhaps, but I feel like BDS remind me, or XL, sorry, this split remind me of BDS in spring where their macro was just way better than most of the teams around them. And there was basically only like G2. I mean, they never ended up playing G2. But if they play up against a team who just have more better players... And by the way, I think they just completely griefed draft in uh, finals and just played get away from their strengths, which was the reason why they lost that finals. But um, no, I think BDS... I think if BDS can get their shit together, I actually fancy them to be the third the third team in Europe. What does they, XL they, have they, to... They, 
they know they play Fnatic by because they get the lower aren't one loser. So if XL beats Mad, which I would say XL's favourites to do yeah. right now, and G two beat BDS, that will be they'll get the lower seeded one, which is BDS. Okay. And so it's Fnatic BDS straight away. So I've gotten that completely wrong, and it would be like SK versus um, Mad. You know, right. sorry. So, so where where do there. XL actually have to finish to qualify for Worlds? What... You'll have to win one BO five, and that will get you the that will get you the Battle of the Atlantic game because yeah. okay. you'll then lose, lose, lose. So you'll have to win the one BO five. Okay, so let's segue into obviously XL versus Mad Lions, which is your matchup. So if you beat Mad Lions, you guys. Are in worlds at least no, the, they're the, guaranteed the, the qualifier the, thing. Yeah. No, no, they, the fourth seed would play against the EU NA, NA fourth seed. seed. Yes. Yeah. So you, you you would get to play a BO5 against NA for worlds. Wow. Okay. Awesome. It's, yeah. it's, it's fucking sick, guys. Yeah. So. I mean, Abba, what do you feel about Mad Lions? Obviously, that. I mean, there seems to be a lot of Jekyll and hiding it in EU, but I mean, Mad one spring went to. Oh, don't worry, Mad are just bad. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not Jekyll. That's that's my contention, but you can't discount the fact that they they literally won LEC last split. Like, what what do you feel is different with Mad this split? I mean, you've obviously already played them in a in a BO this this uh this split. Like, how how do they feel different as a team versus Spring, for example? I mean, I would just. I think the most obvious thing that stands out is that they have no clue how to play as a team. It seems like they have like the lowest, one of the lowest team chemistries out of any team that I've seen in LEC. Bro, which is crazy because this is yeah. literally the rep that they used to have that like Aloya Niski were like the best. Hmm. Like, the, like I, that was something I said. It was something loads of people said, and now it fucking stinks. Like. It's really bad at Mad Lions. As as a mid laner, do you are there certain junglers in the league where you kind of fear them more or like feel that you have to be more careful in lane? Uh, like it was El Yoya one of those people once upon a time. Like how do you feel that synergy that Kira's talking about? Like Niski El Yoya, is that something that you do you think about anymore, or do you just kind of focus on your own game and not really care? Um. I mean, to be fair, I think I don't. I don't really think about it much. Brilliant. Because I mean, if they have some kind of combo that like focuses on playing two v twos and stuff, obviously I'll be more careful. But I think the meta and how they played just been like mid lane is ungankable. It's just a handshake lane or one v one. So I haven't really felt any threat of them like playing very well together. Do you feel that's maybe why El Yoyo's had like an off split because he's not able to impact mid lane nearly as much? Because obviously El Yoyo is one of the players who, honestly, even now, is probably like a historic level jungler in EU. I mean, the the amount of time he's been on top at this point. Do you feel that he's hurting from that? Because sometimes as an outsider, it still feels like Mad and El Yoyo, especially like trying to really force certain situations which maybe aren't you know meta. Do you do you see that at all in Mad? Like, why do you think? they're so much weaker than they were even earlier in this year. It's kind of hard to say because I don't know what exactly is wrong with them. I just feel like they don't know what they want to do as a team. They don't have a plan or a strategy. Um, I feel like they don't know what lane they want to play through. And it's just random things happening all over the map is how I see them. So I, it's I, really interesting. Yeah, Sorry, on you go, Rich. No, I was going to say, I've, then I guess it's fair to say that you guys are fairly confident 
going into this matchup. Like, obviously, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because I know what you're going to say. But, uh, yeah, like, I guess um, you guys are pretty pretty confident that you're going to take this one. I think we can't slack off. Um, there's always a chance they come back into, you know, that uh, form that led them to be the champions in, in Spring Split. And they have respectful individual talent on their roster. And if they can kind of find a way to make it work as a team, they're going to be a respectful opponent. Like, totally capable of beating us if uh, we need to properly prepare and just really take everyone kind of the same. Like, we sh shouldn't disrespect anyone or disres disregard anyone because I feel like any team can come be like pretty strong, even BDS or Fnatic. If, if like us. If us and G2 maybe take a step off the gas and then all these other teams step it up, like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if some other teams becomes really strong. If Mad as well, oh sorry, if the patch changes as well, depending on what the but patch like, is going to be. Here, see, like what is like, obviously like, internal issues or team dynamic or some people having different ideas to play the games that like, you can't overcome. There's a million and one things that we aren't privy to. Um, that like affect teams but like some of the, if you're like mad lions like i don't know what more you can really like ask for like nesky during like the playoffs was playing some of his like best individual games where he was like the best player on like mad lions there isn't a world and what meta you can have where like chase is even remotely going to be a good top winner so it doesn't matter but then you've got hillisang on entire engage like support with like rel brom um you guys showed a pipe pike yeah yeah yeah, like Pike, there are viabilities for like Pike, I or Pike angles. Like, there's a many thing, and like Karzi's playing, like basically every win that Mad Lions did actually get during the regular season was like Karzi build a small shrine for himself and praying to God that like he like kills everybody on screen, and uh, it was just like you're just hoping that he does, and that was it. Like that was like the like winner bus. Unfortunately, like a lawyer's playing like the worst individual league of his like career right now. Yeah. Um, so like I get what Abadag is saying, but like, I just don't understand what's going on over at like Mad Lions. Um, because even though I call them like they're an like, inconsistent team, they sometimes are like it's hard to describe. They're like consistently inconsistent, as in like the actual in-game result might be like they got like three would but like all three games were like pretty good games. You know what I mean? Mm. Or like you know what I mean? Like they lose like a bunch of regular season games. But, like, if you actually go watch the games, or, like, you can, you know what I mean, there was actually a purpose. Like, you know what I mean? They were actually attempted to execute on something. It came down to, like, a bad Baron fight or a bad, like, Drake fight. These things happen where someone gets caught, right? You know, the volatility be a once. This version of Mad Lions we have right now is, like, really floored out. It's, like, really, really, really poor, in my opinion. Um, I don't, I, like, I wouldn't know what, like, basically to, like, ask for from them you know to like improve it seems to all be stuff that they have to kind of just like there's no like breaking error that like you could just like fix or like fast bandage um it's going to be something they're going to have to like work out and they've got a lot of time to work it out you know what i mean like if you were a team like mad lions and you're on like you know the massive losing streak that you're on you would I mean, want like yeah a week to fix I your think problems that's why as abby said you've got to be careful of every team because yeah, in theory yeah. sk if depending on what which patch it is like they have three weeks of scrimming it can be a completely different sk team right it can be a completely different mad team and those players on mad have won titles they're good players individually 
like anything can happen. But yeah, Kira, where, how do you see this series? Like, obviously, it's hard to predict at this point in time. But do you do you see an angle for a mad win? Yeah, like if like they get everything in line, like they can beat XL. Uh, but like, uh, you should, I think you should judge your analysis on basically what you last seen, not on like the you know, basically you hoping fruit grows on a tree that's fucking frozen to death. So the, the confusing thing about it though is I as for as weak as Mad have been, basically all split. They have a very good coaching staff. I feel like Mad is one of the teams where there's the most amount of observable evidence of what the coaches have done over a long period of time that you can actually give them credit. Because obviously most of the time when we're like, oh, this guy should be coached the split, none of us have a fucking clue what we're talking about, right? But Mac is a very good coach. Like, but, like I feel Mad that... Lions don't even understand the concept like that well that Abadagi, like briefly gave earlier on about like um like prioritizing like drakes and like gold right exactly to create to create like catch 22 situations for team where like if you go collect the, the drake like xl will get prior on dragon if you want to go and set up on dragon then like you lose x amount of gold and you trade but like, you trade up even like in the worst set of scenarios like mad lions aren't even doing that yeah but uh, yeah, i wanted like, to uh, ask you about this abba because not uh... consistently Otto said on PGL that he felt that some of the series that you guys played were like coach diff and that he obviously, I guess, you know, thinks that Hidden and uh, Je Suis Cass have done like a pretty good job. Like, how do you find working with those guys and how does it sort of compare to like previous coaches? Because as, as Kira said, like, obviously you work with Reaper, you work with Dylan, who's considered like one of the better EU coaches. Like, what's it like with uh, Hidden and Cass? Um, I mean, I think I think they're really good coaches, and kind of what Cars likes to do a lot is just showing us strategies and explaining them to us. Um, even if it's simple as if it's something as simple as against this like team fight comp, like let's prioritize pushing sides and like making sure we got the side prior when for objectives are up so that we can uh, end up abusing our like winning silence and just kind of explaining concepts to us and then Hidon is more responsible for um, Peach's role and scouting and um, early game and I'm mean, they're really good at kind of making sure that we also track our goals and that we are disciplined in practice and just following um, the goals that we have set ourselves for the day. Um, so overall, yeah, very happy working with them, the split. And how would they, like, obviously don't say, you know, who's better or whatever, but like, it, is there a big stylistic difference in the other coaches you've been with? Like, for you, how is it, you know, with Dylan, for example, versus Hidden? Are there big differences in styles? Or do you think it's just, you know, different different faces on the roles essentially so Dylan's Dylan's been a while back the historic coaching that was like caveman coaching back then you know it was like, it doesn't either you're responsible for different things at that time right <laughs> so I think Dylan's specialty was kind of to figure out how to make the team work well and give them a draft that they can execute. He he knows when he has to restrict his players from like playing something certain because he knows it's like it's just not gonna work to destroy the Nexus. Um, so that was his specialty. 
But other than that, I think it's really hard to compare them. I think it's they have a pretty similar role overall. So yeah, before we let you go, I just want to ask one more question because I think it's um, just interesting for me because whenever I ask players about this, there's like drastically different opinions on this. And obviously, all of you guys, you want to win LEC, of course, but also getting to Worlds is has to be like an, an, an end goal for you guys. So Worlds this year is obviously in Korea. You yourself have, of course, already played at Worlds. Do you prefer playing worlds like or would you, the idea of playing worlds at home like in eu or is it more exciting for you to go to somewhere like korea and be able to i guess go early and scrim maybe more of the korean teams and so on like what do you actually prefer do you prefer like uh, playing in asia for this kind of tournament or do you actually prefer playing at home i mean it's it's not the easiest question for me to answer because i haven't really played Worlds at home, and maybe it would I could compare it more easily if I have had been parts of Worlds before, and then like maybe you could feel like the the crowd being more favorable towards the like European team, or maybe just being more comfortable like living somewhere that you know, and it's like just European instead of like being in Korea and you don't understand much because it, everything's in Korean. But generally, like the Worlds thing. The world's culture is just you stay in your hotel, you play all day, you scrim, uh, then you go to bed and it repeats itself. You know, you, you don't really do too much outside and then it's just going to the studio you and the, the, the crowd is there. Sorry? You were at the Iceland world, weren't you? Yeah, Iceland yeah, and yeah. NA. Yeah, which fucking sucked. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, that, I forgot yeah. they, that one was at Iceland. I thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. He okay. was at the fucking the the EDG DK Iceland World. That yeah. bro, that that tournament was so peculiar. Mm. By the way, quick, uh, quick question, like Ava, and this is wait. I just forgot what I was going to ask. I had a good one as well. Just shit. Bear with me a minute. Rich, ask him something else. Like, I had something I was gonna, I was gonna quickly ask him. So you're not, um, you're not a weeb, oh. you're not a weeb then, Abba. You're not into the whole uh, Korean barbecue and uh, bobber tea, ingratiating yourself in Korean culture. That's not of interest to you. No, not really. Good. Look, I got it. One point what do you, you think of the format, like the LA, new LEC format? Like, oh, what yeah, do you think good about? Yeah, that's what I want. Because there's rumblings, right? That all the players say it's shit and the fans can't keep up with it, right? Now, I think there's problems that need, like, ironed out. But it is a much better, like, format just in general. And I think this year has been affected more by, like, the quality of the European teams rather than it actually being a thing of, like, the formats. So, I mean, I, I gotta say it feels a bit strange that we have to win one more best of five and then we already are in Worlds because we haven't participated in winter and spring. <laughs> we've, we've, we got we got second and then now it's like one best of five left and totally this year we have played uh, three best of fives, yep. if I'm correct. And like now we are just in Worlds, and like if you look at LPL, like some of these teams have probably played 52 best of fives this year, and they still haven't made it to Worlds. <laughs> and yes. That is a strange part, but at the same time, you can argue that it's rather going to be the stronger teams now at, that are actually good at the end of the year than rather than just in winter or spring making it through points, which is also fair. Um, I gotta say I don't like that there's less big. 
finals overall mm. in the LEC. There's only yep. one at the yes. conclusion in summer. I don't like that part because I think that it's a really big cultural part of going to these areas and then celebrating with the crowd and having stadiums filled with people is like uh, one of the best things about yeah. esports. Really so I think it's bad that this part is missing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Just before, uh, just before we let you go, Albert, do you think that the fact that the LPL, for example, do play so many more series, do you think that helps them, or do you think it like contributes to burnout? Like, do you feel that you want to play more in general, like more official games? Do you think that would actually also be useful to Europe's chances at Worlds, or you don't think it really matters? I think what. I think what matters more is that the overall quality or like the overall competition is stronger. And then like it doesn't really matter if you play 20 best of fives or 40. If there's strong opponents, it kind of becomes a balance of like burnout and enough practice. But I don't really feel like it takes that much of a part. I just think that generally LEC is a lot weaker than the East right now. And that would be the biggest difference maker when it just comes to internationals. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Well, uh, best yeah. of luck in your games. think we will uh, leave it there. Thank and you. Yeah, good luck You're against uh, Mad Lions, Abba. I sense you guys probably won't need it. But who knows? Never take any opponent lightly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for watching, guys. And we will see you all next time.